welcome to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Elstrom. How are you today, Chris? Well, I'm laughing now, Jody, because that sounded painful. I am good, starting to recover from NAM. I didn't get sick or anything, at least not yet. Yay! But uh, how are you doing? Well, that's part of the reason why my voice sounds a bit hammered. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> NAM and all the talking that you do while you're there. Right. What exactly yeah. is NAM? NAM is an annual event in Anaheim, California, at the convention center there. And it's usually four days. This year was three days. Mm -hmm. It's a convention for, it stands for National Association of Music Merchants. It's where a lot of companies go to do business and show their most recent things and tell you how awesome it is and why you should buy it. That kind of a thing. Exactly. So it's a fun thing that we like to do. How long have you been doing? You've been doing it or been there longer than I have, I think, but I can't even count how many oh times I've been Lord. there. Oh, Lord. I think the first time I went was in 1992. Yeah. I, I think. That's a long time. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> my, my first one was definitely in the 90s. Yes. And yeah, it, it's fun. Did you enjoy yourself this year? I did. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about it is. It very much this year and last year felt very much like the early days of my going in the 90s of all How things. so? What do you mean? Back then, even though it was four days, it was still relatively small. Although it felt large because I'd never seen anything like it before. But then when she gets used to it, it's like, oh, in relative terms to now, or at least relative terms to the last big one, which was in 2020, it feels very small. And the reason for that is, is that you can see everything now in one day if you are really working yourself. However, back in 2020, you were lucky if you saw everything in four days because it was so enormous. And even though it's in the same convention center space, it's not so enormous anymore because it's a lot less brands and a lot less things there. They don't even use the entirety of the convention center. Brand-wise, yeah. it was smaller. Attendance-wise, it was actually more people this year than last year, it felt like. Yeah, I agree. It was drastically smaller from years past, but it was good. I enjoyed it too. And we, we have some speculation as to why that is. And I think some of it just gives itself and just comes down to economics, right? Why, why well, a lot of people aren't there. Because it does cost companies a fair bit of money, depending on the booth size and stuff, to actually go there. Yeah, and it's not cheap. It is not cheap. But of course, the landscape has changed as well. Going back, I remember that that's where I would go to learn about new versions of DAWs and plugins and things, and they were showing, like I remember seeing TuneTrack there the first time. Mm. I was like, oh my God, this is great. But now, of course, everybody has broadband internet. <laughs> that The news spreads a lot faster and you don't need it for that. Apple used to be there every year when it was Logic. No, not, that was pre-Logic. Yeah, but even when it was, well, of course, it was eMagic at one point, they were there, but Apple were there a couple of times doing it, but then they put the kibosh on that, that they're not there. Well, they I don't think. go to any conventions at all anymore. Nope. They don't nope. need it. They don't. You know, as we 
thinking like this was probably the second time within one fiscal year for a lot of companies to go there. Yes. So it's hard to justify that cost. What is it? Next year, it's going to be back in January, right? It will so, be back in January. So I think a lot of the bigger companies that skipped this particular one will likely be back. Yeah. Likely. But it's always, that doesn't mean yeah. they will. Likely. Yeah, we're going to hold you to that, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jody said. But it is, no, uh, he didn't. It's always fun to go. I mean, I often joke that I'm excited to go, and as soon as I get there and you hit the drum department and you're like, oh, my God, I hate my life, you know? <laughs> Which was but, essentially what we ran into on the first day once we got to that department. <laughs> yeah, but I get <laughs> the impression, area. too, that it was the layout, while smaller, it seemed to have been thought of in a little bit of a different way because it seemed like a lot of the software stuff were at in the new hall. Mm -hmm. A lot of the DJ stuff was in one section and drums in another and so on. That used to be, at least as far as I remember, a much bigger mix-up, which... Mm. Well, I mean, generally, it's like the drum area, and you're, you're just walking through the portals of hell because you know, everybody's playing <laughs> right. drums, right? It wasn't as noisy as it used to be, I, I guess. But it wasn't, uh, well. I heard a lot more horns this year than I've had in past years. That's funny you say that because didn't, that didn't actually register with me. Oh. Anyway, well. It registered <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of horn yeah. players this year. Right. And speaking of noise level, it's something that, that we noticed that I thought was really funny anyway. Where So NAM is the kind of place that we can actually have a booth where somebody is showing their ear and hearing protection in one booth mm -hmm. right next to the drum section <laughs> where there's like 10 drummers playing stuff. And it's all like, wow, this is... Yeah, without any sort of irony at all. You know? <laughs> Would you like to try some earplugs? <laughs> right, right. I like going and seeing people and meeting friends that you generally just bump into again at NAMM. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on a personal, I have to say, we don't get to hang out on the daily, you and I. So I had a really good time just spending all that time just hanging with one of my best buds. So, well, there that, you go. Was, it was a fun time. Just for that was, alone, right there. Absolutely. You know, we met some past guests that we've had on the show bumped into uh, Venus Theory. Yes, we did. We did bump into Venus Theory. If you haven't had the pleasure of meeting him in person, he is exactly the same guy as you see in his videos. So he's like, <laughs> he is that guy. He's just an awesome guy. Really, really funny. So that was really cool. We got to hang with him for a little bit. We bumped into CJ. Well, hold on, back up before yeah. you get there. With Venus Theory, he was talking about his trip out to... Yes. Anaheim mm -hmm. and relating a story of wanting to purchase a drone so that he could take shots and video for something that he's putting together that has to do with Nam and his trip. Right. And then being told by his trip partner not yeah, to get a drone. Yeah. Right. And then I have one. It's fine. It's we, fine. Yeah. You don't need to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> and then his partner is sitting there flying the drone as they're taking their trip. And he's like, look at this awesome shot. And he's sitting there thinking to himself, motherfucker, you told me not to get a drone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So stories like that. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Also, you know, I had a little bit of a funny story because my, my wife tells me when to get home from the first day. And she asked me, well, did you see any, did you meet any famous people? And I'm thinking, well, 
famous to you or famous to me? Because <laughs> famous to you? No, definitely not. But I was very excited to. I mean, you always see Chris Lord Algy there. He's always there doing something for SSL. But it was nice to see his brother. I'd never met his brother. So it was cool to kind of bump into people. So Andrew Sheps. We met Dave Pensado and Warren Hewitt, Chuck Ainley. So all of these like really cool, successful talented mix engineers and producers that you can kind of bump into. And if you have time and if they have time, you, you chat. ask them questions. You say yeah. hi. You say, right. how you doing? And things of that nature. And right. you kind of glossed over it because I had you back up for a second there. You were about to mention C.J. Vanston. As yeah. We were sitting in the JBL booth for a moment as I was conducting other business. And you look over and you say, hey, there's C.J. So we went over and sat and waited for a moment while he was chatting with Warren Hewitt mm -hmm. and Ross Hogarth. Right. Who was standing there as well. The fun thing about that is CJ and those guys are all sitting there just shooting the shit, telling stories. And then you get your moment to chat with your friends and then you run off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, one of the more pleasurable things when you get to see people. And it's not like just from sheer crass like idol worship but but it's cool to meet these people and just like you do when you get to meet any of your heroes whether they're musicians or they're engineers and producers and stuff it, it's cool to maybe want to ask that question that you've always wondered about or whatever happens to be yep so that is cool that's the people part of it did you get any trends sort of like takeaways or anything that you noticed this year other than it being smaller in terms of the number of manufacturers there? Yes. Besides that. There wasn't an extreme amount of mind-blowing new things. Yeah. I thought of that too because, you know, again, it's been like nine months since the last one, right? Well, and there so. wasn't a whole lot of extreme mind-blowing new things at that one either. And I wonder if that's just because we get the news – beforehand so i don't speak. think it's so. not like they're launching no i think it has more to do with the nature of iterations now and mm. less about innovation because there are things that could be heavily innovative like midi 2.0 when the fuck is that coming across the board here because it's been announced it's been worked on for probably well over a decade and it's still not a hundred percent here and yeah. you would think at some point they'd make a big splash at something like NAM to say, going forward, everything is MIDI 2.0, which right. would be a game changer for anything that is software instrument related. Right. But they did have a few things there pertaining to MIDI 2.0 when they had some controllers and things. So just talking about the protocol yeah. or some things, but, but it wasn't a big splash. I mean, if you didn't know where to look for it or You'd walk stumble right by it by accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is exactly what we did until we went back by it again. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe 2.0. Cool. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of splash that where it used to happen, mm -hmm. right? Everybody would announce new stuff at NAM, And yes, that still happens, but it's not, okay, well, Avid are going to release the new version of Pro Tools and they're waiting for NAM to do it type of thing. Things just keep rolling out. There well, seems I will to be say this. What? I was reading through my news feeds and day of or day after things that happened at NAM were in my news feeds. Like bare knuckle pickups. Sure. I saw their booth. Haven't really heard of them prior. Really? But then, yeah. And then immediately afterwards... 
I had it in my newsfeed about some artist they endorse, and there it is, is their bare knuckle pickups from Nam. Yeah. Here's the right. new thing. Yeah. And there were, I'm reluctant to say because I don't remember the who the manufacturer was, but there was a new development, a relatively new development in humbucking pickups for electric guitar, obviously, where they had wider round coils on the E, B, and the G string, and they had rails for the lower three strings. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the name of that company? It was part of the Rev Group. Right. And I don't remember the individual product group, but whoever owns Rev Amps is the same company that owns this particular pickup company, and they endorse Billy Corrigan. That I do remember. Yeah, because I think he had a, a model. Well, yeah, he had his own right. signature model as well, but I think he's a big proponent of these pickups. And they were humbuckers, as you say. Mm -hmm. On the low strings, they were rails, and on the high strings, they were standard poles. And, and a little bit thicker, I think, as well, that they said, or a little wider, I should wider, say. Wider, yeah. Right. And that was an interesting concept. Yeah. But, of course, it's also like when you're at a place like NAMM, it's not like you can do a whole lot of intent listening because of the noise level. It's the like, sheer oh, noise yeah, level. You know, it's just, oh, can you hear that? You, yeah, you really get that low end here. It's like, no, I can't hear shit, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, it's very subtle. Yeah, I know. That's why I can't hear it at NAMM. One thing that I saw that I thought was kind of funny was seems to be a trend now with guitar manufacturers mm -hmm. to build guitars without headstocks. Like, there's a lot of There are a lot of them without headstocks, it's true. Right. And I wonder where that's coming from, if that's the newest innovation or whatever. I don't know. But well, maybe it, it removes the concept of copywritten headstocks. Well, because there is no, since there is no headstock, you have nothing to worry about in terms of a copyright or right. a trademark or whatever it is right. that they do to patent a guitar headstock. Because you can't copy a Fender headstock that would put you in jeopardy of getting sued. Right. Uh, or this, any other yeah. guitar with a massively well-known headstock. Like you can't copy Taylor's headstock. You can't copy Gibson's headstock. If you do, you open yourself You're up. You're in legal trouble. Yeah. Legal trouble, baby. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean that Steinberg never had a trademark on that? Quite the possibly. I remember. I mean, yeah. yeah, they never had one either. In All fact, right. that seems like the first guitar that didn't have one to me. See, that's that to me known. too. Anyway, so that was a trend. Another thing that I saw a lot were uh, guitar manufacturers going with fanned frets. Yeah. Which I don't want to go into much on that, but we heard an explanation that I don't necessarily buy. I don't want to throw the company under the bus because that's not cool. Yeah, the explanation the made sense, but at the same time, it it did. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just the why is right. In terms so of I, playing comfort, it just, oh, you just shift your hand over. No, that's not comfortable hand position, right. period. Now, to me, it's, it's always been an intonation thing, right? When you're running longer scale lengths and you're dealing with like eight, maybe even nine string guitars, right? Mm -hmm. Where we'll leave it at that. There was a fair bit of that. Another thing for people that are really into analog gear, like rack gear, not necessarily on the guitar front, but the recording end of it. A lot of companies still putting that out there. So th yep. there's a lot, lot of analog of, recording gear still. Right. I think I saw at least two different companies that were building Fairchild clones, if you will. Really? Um, How yeah. did I miss those? 
don't know. You weren't paying attention, looking at something else, I guess. I must have been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were probably looking at microphones or something. But So there's a healthy dose of that as well. Now, all of those, of course, come with a healthy price point, I'm sure. If you're buying a Fairchild clone, you're probably not paying the same as you would for an actual Fairchild. You're saving money in one way and still spending a lot. If you're really into analog gear, there's a lot of stuff out there still. So that's kind of cool. Yes, there's a lot to be had. And with that, we'll move on to taking a word from our current sponsors. And we're back. We're going to start sifting through some of the really cool stuff that we saw so that you get an idea of what's coming down the pike. Kick it off, Chris. One of the first things that we saw was something that stuck with me through all the days that I were there, and, and I know for you as well, something called Hyperswitch mm-hmm. by Seymour Duncan. Yes. That is, for guitar players, a really, really cool thing. Now, not everybody's going to care about this, but I thought it was really, really cool, where it's a... Five-way it, selector switch. Five-way selector switch that is just a little bit wider than your normal five-way selector switch. On the internals, it, it still has the same pull throw switch thing that crops up out of the guitar. Yes. The way that you look and the way that you're working your five-way switch is identical. But on the inside, what it has, it's got all these different connectors, which then allows you via an app, iOS, and I think you said Android as well, mm-hmm. with this app that is iOS and, and Android, where you control in whatever position the switch is in, how and which pickups are being used. Yes. So that, that sounds really confusing, but let's say for an example that you want in your first position, the bridge humbucker along with the neck humbucker, but only one of those poles and they're gonna be out of phase and all of these options that you can do. Mm-hmm. Right. What that does then, it of course gives you a lot of tonal variation that you can do, but there's no modding involved. You don't need to have the app up and running. You select it, your setup that you do is stored in the actual selector switch so that you have all this uh, like tonal flexibility and can use your pickups, like I said, in in phase, out of phase, in any kind of combination there. And that was just insanely cool to me. Yes, I would agree with that. As it was noted to us as producers, they felt this was going to be really remarkable for session guitar players and producers to be able to really get an enormous amount of different tones out of a guitar. So much so, in playing around with it, it was pretty incredible what you could pick and choose out of each pickup combination. And of course, once you save it, you only have five positions on the switch, so you save it. But if you want to change it for the future, I believe you could save presets of everything you've done and then re-save it to the switch later. So you didn't have to yes. constantly play with it. Yeah, you didn't have to set it up for each time. It was just right. like- But you, you can just, okay, save preset. five presets at any given time in the switch itself, and you can really do some crazy routings with this thing. Yeah. In terms of connecting your pickup to the switch, it's actually quite ingenious because you don't solder the pickups to the switch like you would normally do. 
you just clean off the lead wires and you stick them into the appropriate slots. And there's 20 of them in this. And you tighten it down with a set screw. So there's no soldering. And you can yeah. quickly remove or switch out a pickup if you really wanted to. But with the amount of choices you get with what you can do, tapping the coils, reversing the coils, <laughs> reversing yeah. a humbucker for that matter against something else, picking one half of the humbucker and combining it with the middle pickup if you really wanted to. You can do some really crazy routings and it's really yeah. quite amazing. Right. What's really important here as well is that you don't have to have a certain pickup for this to work. There was another manufacturer well, that Well, it does did have to have passive pickups. You cannot right. use this with active pickups. Right. But it isn't like another manufacturer did one time that it was the guitar and you could do a similar thing with. You can do this to any pass the pickup that you have in your guitar. So it's not so like So long as your guitar dedicated. uses a five-way switch. Right. Or can Well, that was the other thing, right? switch. Yeah. yeah, you right. can't really put it in there otherwise. <laughs> right. That was the first one, and that's the one that stuck with me through the whole weekend. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I can see myself using that. Yeah, so, makes me want to yeah. put it in a few of my guitars and get a few other guitars just for that alone. Right there with you, buddy. And while we're on guitars, there was another guitar thing that we saw. You, you want to talk about that one? This is a new company out of Turkey. The company is called Shark Guitars. And it was a little bit hard to understand the concept of the booth because not only did it say Shark Guitars in logo lettering that was harder to read, it was saying 3D Guitars. And it's kind right. of like thinking any guitar you buy is going to be in 3D. I don't understand this. But we went and chatted with the guy as a mutual friend of ours said, you really got to go see this. <laughs> yeah, because it was easy to blow off. Was it? it was, was like, oh, very easy weird. to blow off. Yeah. But you go and talk to this guy from Turkey who invented this stuff, and I'm going to probably butcher his name. I believe it's Sem Koksal. It's C-E-M for his first name and K-O-K-S-A-L for his last name. Anyway, this guy has built the guitar of his dreams, and it is insane, just yeah. insane how engineered this concept is. Everything on it is modular, the right. body, the neck, the pickups, and now including effects pedals and built a plethora of yeah. other things. <laughs> The idea on it is that you can take the guitar apart, put it in a bag for travel, take it back out, put the neck back on, and immediately restring it with the way he's done the strings because the strings clip on and off of the headstock area where you can have a choice of having a headstock or not. You can take the pickups saw, out. Again, yeah, it didn't no have a headstock. Oh, no headstock, yeah. You can take the pickup out, and if it's a humbucker, you can turn it around, flip it around, and stick it back in. <laughs> So you can yeah. reverse the pickup entirely, which was really crazy. It has slots where you can stick in effects pedals right into the guitar, meaning that any pedal that you would want ahead of time before you hit your amp could come out of the guitar instead. Distortions, delays, whatever, what have you. There's yeah. And a couple these are of actually slots. little chips that yeah, slot chips into the back of the guitar. Slot into the so. back of the guitar. Plus then you look at the back of the guitar and it's got just a mind-blowing number of dip switches for whatever electrical purposes that you could probably <laughs> yeah. have. And then the, you look at the front end of it, and it's got six tone volume type knobs and 
toggle switches of all kinds. I mean, it's in terms of versatility and what you can do with it, it's rather incredible. And then the really interesting thing is, is that you can customize the guitar and it doesn't change the cost. So you can go on the website, build out the design that you want with what you want in it, and it doesn't change the cost of the guitar. They will yeah. build it to order and then ship it to you in relatively short time. And it's pretty amazing. So Very I, highly I engineered, this... specialized niche guitar, but woof, wow, it was really cool. Yeah, it was impressive for that. I I don't want to sound too negative, but I wonder how many guitar players would that appeal to. That doesn't take anything away from the engineering part of it where it's like, because there was no screws on it either. The neck pops into place, just pops off. Same with, with the pickups and stuff that you just press a button, they pop out and yep. that's it. It was fascinating just for that. Another company that I was really excited to see, and I know you were too, was the, the new gen mm -hmm. stuff where we got a demonstration for the Jotter plugin that we yep. had mentioned before. And it looked every bit as useful and as impressive as I thought it was going to be. And uh, those guys were really, really cool guys as well. And they had other plugins where I think they still exist now, but the AB plugin, yes. I thought was that was brilliant. Really I think. nice. Yeah. It's essentially a plugin where you can A-B stuff, but you can do it blind so that you could really listen and see that, well, do I think this sounds better? Or is it just that I like the interface of this compressor as to the other one, right? Whatever the test that you're doing for yourself, but going back and forth. It would be perfect uh, for those who feel like there's the differences between mixes mm -hmm. and you can have the artist or whomever is listening to the mix A-B two different versions of the mix to see if they're either catching something or if it's really that drastic. You could do a blind A-B test and it will then tell you afterwards whether or not you're right. Yeah. And based and on the conversation that we had with Mike from Really Tone, that would be rather apropos. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What else? We saw... Oak Sound. Oak Sound, yeah. Had a quick chat with Hannes over there. It was fun to tell him how much I've been using the plugin, but by the same token, something I'd said had spurred him to show us some other aspects to the plugin itself, at which point both you and I were like, wait a minute, it does this? Well, how did I not see that in the interface? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the no, whole he, thing with mid-side and everything and how to set right. the balance. So he starts going off, showing us a few different tips and tricks with the whole Soothe plugin and then with Spiff in and of itself. And it was just fun to get the excitement coming off of him explaining how his plugins work. It was very contagious, his enthusiasm. It was genuine. You could see he liked talking about this stuff. He was very excited. Looking forward to whatever they're coming out with as well. Another thought that I had walking around there, and I'm a little bit baffled by it, but there's a lot of companies making acoustic guitars still. Mm -hmm. And some of them are obviously on the budget level. We saw a California guitar builder. Oof. So I think it was Ryan Guitars yep. where they had one that was hanging there. It's like art. <laughs> Never mind the, the manufacturing and the technology that goes into it. $34,000 for that guitar. <laughs> right. So needless to say, we we just took one each, right? right. Yeah. 
So there was that. Another guy that we met while we were talking to uh, Venus Theory, theory mm-hmm. was Paul Carter from Hyperion Synth. Yes. He wasn't at his booth. We were just talking to him. But I've been looking at it since I got home. And, oh, boy, that's uh, a deep thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some PhD-level so, stuff? It can be. I mean, it, it's the way that they sort of pitched it was that it's a little bit of a friendlier reactor. And I say friendlier is how the GUI is and how you're working with it. Sure. It is freaking deep, man. So if you are the synth guy and you'd like to do your tweaking and coming up with all sorts of sound design things, uh, Hyperion synth is... It's like, oh, my God, I, I get a headache almost looking at this because it's so <laughs> deep. But it looks really, really cool. Yes. Another booth that we happened by was the Sound Radix Ottawa line presentation. <laughs> so the company yeah. is Sound Radix, but they have a new plugin called Ottawa Line 2. And as stated earlier, it's usually generally very difficult to hear what some product is doing sound-wise because there's so much noise going on. That being said... The demonstration of Auto Align 2 was rather mind-blowing because you could hear the difference of what it was doing, yeah, even in the noisy environment. And it was yeah. ridiculously impressive. And how fast it works is even more incredible. And it's how just, little tweaking you actually have to do. It was like one button, boom, listen. Boing, yes, listen, let it, it do its thing, and then done. And then A, B, the play before and after. And it's like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was really impressive. I might have to look in a that bit more pl- into that, that one. That plugin is worth the price of admission right there. Yeah. It's just And I think incredible. it said it was like one ninety nine or something like yeah. that. They don't right. do any kind of specials, they don't do any kind of sales. It's it's one ninety nine, that's what you're paying. Yeah. Something else that we were both impressed by was another technological wonder. A company called Real Time Audio. Yes. That was impressive. I still wonder if it works as advertised. It was really impressive. There was a performer sitting at NAMM playing guitar. Steve Gervato. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. He Uh, taught guitar to both of us at varying times in our past. (laughs) Amazing guitar player. Amazing country guitar player. Just razor. He was jamming real time with three other musicians that were in another location in California. Yes. That were in LA. And I believe they were at MI. But they were actually jamming in real time. And if you've ever tried to do anything in real time over the internet... It's usually not a nice thing to do. We talked a little bit to the guys there, and they say that it's the codec that they're using and so on. That was pretty impressive. There's a special device that has to be hooked directly to your router so that it's not going through anything else. And based on other things that we've beta tested in the past, it's still a distance thing. This is not something that you could take and use and jam with somebody in France with. Yeah, from I America, doubt it very, that very kind much. of thing. In fact, you probably can't even jam from California to New York. You can't get around the physics of distance, <laughs> but right. you can get relatively close. And if you're in the same general state like area, you're probably okay. Yeah, if you're in the same Except city, for, maybe for example. Texas. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> might be a little bit too much distance there. Either way, it, it was very impressive the way it worked. And the last company I want to mention is because it's a little bit on a selfish note because I've actually been working on this. Realitone have a new instrument coming out 
and it's part of the symphonic series. It's not out yet. It, I think Mike said he was hoping for the summer, but there were demonstrations at NAM, and it's a symphonic choir. So it's going to be a choir instrument. And because I have a little bit of inside knowledge on this, what I've seen, it's going to be fucking cool. It's going to Yay. be really, really cool. If you yeah. need choirs, it's going to be the thing. Yeah. Besides just having vowels and things, just the things that it can do from an experimental point of view and creative aspect, it's going to be really, really cool. So I'm Sweet. looking forward to have the the full-blown thing there, but that that's going to be badass. So, right. yeah. And one other thing to mention is that we talked to several companies who are planning on doing some giveaways with us and for yeah. our lovely audience. We will be announcing those relatively soon. Yeah. With that, let's move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got today? The aforementioned hyperswitch yep. from Seymour Duncan. That was just like, it's still with me. I'm like, oh my God, that, that's going to be cool. I can't wait to get my hands on one of those and try it out. In my we own both thought it. We both thought it was like, that's probably best of show right there. Yeah, I'm right with you. So it has to be that. Uh, what about you? I'm going to go with the shark guitars, strictly for the sheer ingenuity of the engineering behind that particular instrument. It was just mind-blowingly amazing. The guy really thought his shit out in putting that thing together. Yeah, absolutely. There's that, no that question. That was really impressive. Mm -hmm. Really impressive. Yep. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about this incredible podcast. And you must be on our mailing list in order to have a chance to win in the future giveaways that we've got coming up. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word NAM, N-A-M-M, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Talk to you later, Jody. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye.